0: Hello and welcome to Carl's interviews in podcast form. This is an audio extraction of the live interviews that I've conducted with some absolutely fantastic guests from all walks of life with a common theme. Have been truly inspiring, and I cannot wait for you to hear their story. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another of Carl's interviews. Today, I have the absolute privilege to be joined by GB100, 200 and relay sprinter, Adam Jamili, uh, And also I've got to say is one of the nicest people you are ever likely to meet. Adam and I have been having a good chat offline to start and we've covered everything from his hair and beard and the potential aerodynamic properties of shaving his legs. Um, mutual friend in Ali Jawad and the banter went through university with him. But um, what I'd like to talk about now is obviously, Ali, I've been really lucky a number of guests I had and many of them when they've got into athletics have done so because they've been really enthused, excited and had a passion for the sport. Can't help but feel that wasn't the case with you.
1: you John, honestly, I hated athletics. I found it (laughs) so boring, like because I just didn't get it. I was always quick. I was always quick. I was always one of the fastest in school. Growing up, I was playing football and there was very, very few people that could run past me on a football pitch, but... Like I used to do events at school, and I, I literally would like wait around all day and run for like a hundred meters. So run like back in the day, it was like twelve, thirteen seconds, yeah. and that was it. And I was like, "What? A waste of a day." <laughs> I used to think it was so. I didn't really follow it. My first, my first real memories of like Olympics and stuff was um, two thousand and eight. Yeah. Um, I'm watching Usain Bolt win the Olympics, and I didn't really know who he was that year. My dad was like, "Oh, well, my dad had watched the heats and the semis. I'd only watched the final." I'm thinking, oh, Safa Powell's in the final. I know that name. I've heard of that yeah. guy. He's probably going to win. And my dad was like, no, you've got to see this guy, Usain. <laughs> and then, obviously, he did what he did in 08. And then four years later, pff, could never imagine sort of lining <laughs> up at the same at, at Olympic Games with him. But, yeah, it was, it was, for me, football was always my number one passion. That was my dream. I was very, very fortunate to play at some good clubs. I was at Chelsea Football Club for eight years. So, when I was sort of eight years old, I joined that club and I was there till like 15, 16. Yeah. And they, yeah, they... That was my dream, play for Chelsea, um, play in the Champions League, play for England, and uh, athletics was, was... Yeah, I could never have imagined that that's where I'd end up now.
0: Because you were a right-back, weren't you? So it must have been absolutely horrible for the forwards. They'd certainly turn, try and outpace you, and you go, nah, not today.
1: <laughs> they used to like... ah, oh, they used to wind me up so much because they were like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you need to clip it line to yourself, run onto it, cross the ball, and then run back, defend. Like, they would just have me bombing up and down the wing. But, um, yeah, I would always be last man, like but I was a full back I was always last man never allowed to go up yeah. for corners in case there was a counter attack and then I'll, I could always stop it so uh, yeah speed definitely helped me a lot um in football and it was definitely evident that I was a lot faster than probably everyone I played against um yeah. which
0: was which was cool but um I suppose it's that was one of your first difficult decisions you had to make when Chelsea offered you an opportunity to go further with them and I'm all right because of education you decided not to proceed and get red Reading, at Red you know, like, Redbridge
1: yes yeah you got it. You done your research you got it you got the. but my it was it was more my parents and actually my my friends and my uh one of my teachers as well so at the time I was at Chelsea and there was a time when they were like you need to take a few days off of school and this was during GCSEs and my parents yeah. are like education 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 so they were like are you joking no way <laughs> um and then it got to a stage where yeah to continue my studies and stuff I uh I walked away from Chelsea. We went, tried to, went to Reading. I spent a year and a half at Reading Football Club. They had a lot of scholars. Like it was, a, I think they offered scholarship. They had like first year, second year and third year. So all in all, there were like 25, 26 scholars. So they were basically like, yeah, unless you're messy or someone like that, it's going to be very hard for you to play as a first year. And there was also no opportunity to then carry on my studies. Um, so then we went to Dagenham and Dagenham were fantastic. Um, they offered me... Uh, a contract um a a scholarship um and they also had a great system where they made us go to college the local college and get some yeah. sort of a uh, I got my BTEC extended diploma in sport which was which was brilliant and a lot of obviously the a lot of the footballers didn't even take that seriously at all they were just like there to just bum around and just tick a box but for me I took it quite seriously um and that allowed me then to then apply for universities and then ended up going to university and that's sort of when I made the change to actually try athletics for the year and see how it went and yeah for me I got so lucky it just went well it went really well and you went to University of East London didn't you and
0: know, yeah. sports science and human biology presumably the idea being that in case the athletics didn't work out you go into some sort of that field would you
1: yeah for sure like just to understand a little bit more but I'd always loved biology and the sports science but I never realized how how much science really went into it um to understand your body and the different obviously the different aspects of, of performance and I loved studying that and I always saw myself having a career in sport whether that was as a professional sports person maybe a coach something in the governing body side of things biomechanist I, I love bio, biomechanics and, and that was something I really saw myself one day doing um and that's what I ended up doing my dissertation on um so for me it was a uh, yeah always sport the dissertation was on warm ups for sprinting or something? If I recall. It was, yeah, it was, it was on post. Bloody, how do you know that? It was, like, <laughs> it was, um, it was post. Yeah, post activation potentiation. Um, so basically, lifting your muscles to a, a near maximal contraction, um, and then waiting a certain amount of time. This is pretty boring stuff now. Waiting a certain amount of time, and then and then seeing if you can get a more like an increased power output, and seeing if you can get that sort of um potentiation through a sprint warm up. So I was testing that with a, with some athletes up in Loughborough. Um, cause I was training in Loughborough at the time, but studying in London. So I was like driving up and down the M1, like yeah. twice a week. It was a lot of travel, but yeah, it was a, a fantastic study and, and I had such a good time at, at UEL. It was a uh, brilliant
0: you, Damn, I'm this? so surprised you knew that. That is,
1: that's, that's, that's really cool, man.
0: What I really like about this as well, though, is the absolute stark contrast between you say, look at the biomechanics, technique of that, and then in contrast to you were described as a junior runner. You basically ran like a footballer, and I've got this quote from um, yeah. your coach here, Michael Afelakris, said he just ran literally head back, arms everywhere. He yeah. wasn't great, but he got the job done. And I love literally. that.
1: <laughs> Doesn't look very good, but it gets. It was fast. It worked. Yeah. Like I, I remember going to. The European juniors as, a, as in 2011, I was still playing football. Yeah. So I remember asking Dagnar, I was like, can I get a week off of a training um, cause to go to Estonia and to Tallinn and represent the GB junior team? Yeah. And they were like, yeah, fantastic. So we actually had a free weekend at football. So they were like, yeah, there's no games for us. So you can go there. And I remember just doing my football warm up. I was like, open the gate, close the gate, high knees, like <laughs> heel, butt kicks and stuff yeah. like that. And I literally warmed up for about 15 minutes. Everyone was like looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> And I'd, I'd started doing a little bit of work with with uh, a coach called John Blackie just before that, and he taught me a, little, a few drills and stuff, which I tried to do. But my technique was awful, really. I literally put my head back, my arms were straight, I stood straight up, and I was just fighting to get to the finish line. Um, but yeah, I said it got the job done. I was quick. It, it wasn't the best of, it wasn't <laughs> the best, but it was a, uh, it was um, enough to get the job done. And, and yeah, I had to learn very quickly. Next year, joining up full time with the training group, they threw me in the deep end, man. I was like. Cause I I didn't know anything. I just was like turning up. Some days I'd have trifle for breakfast. I'd turn up and we'd be running our gut running and I'm a big vomiter. If if you ever see me train or ever see me like run, whenever I run hard, I always throw up always. So then I remember one day I was throwing up and everyone was like, what is that? And it was like trifle that I had for breakfast. And the group were like, this you can't do this in me and be a top level sprinter. So, um, yeah, I quickly learned very uh, how to be professional and, um, yeah, it was a it was a big culture shock coming from football to track and field, really. I
0: love that. It's almost the equivalent of like a Sunday Liga coming down with a can of Stella and a fag. Pretty, and pretty then having much having around.
1: Honestly, it was it was yeah. like it was like that level. Obviously, my I tried to keep it as professional as possible. My mum would always yeah. like cook me. I was staying I was living at home at the time. My mum would always cook me like quinoa and healthy food to have after training and I'd be eating that, but like when I was left to my own devices, I'd always like if I had to get the bus back or something, I had to get the if i had to get the um if i had to get the uh uh yeah the like, if i had to drive back myself i'd go to always like to tescos or sainsburys yeah. and just stock up on so much bad food and just sit sit in my room after training and just eat it all and just like didn't care because you could get away with it as a young athlete and and now as you're obviously older you wouldn't even dream about doing that
0: no, and it's, it must have been so strange that obviously you go to Estonia, you were second in Estonia, and then you're lining up in 2012, you're the youngest member of the GB team, one of the youngest people there. I mean, what's was going through your head at that stage?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was the youngest on the athletics team uh, in 2012, and it was like a, I, just di- I didn't really understand the scale of it. I like, obviously ran quick that year, and people were like really congratulating me, but I didn't realise the scale of a home Olympics, and uh, a- Olympics in, that, in, that, in any sense, and I knew who the athletes were, like yeah. I'd be walking to, I'd be walking to like to like dinner in the holding camp, and I'd sit next to Jess Ennis, and I'd be like, oh my god, it's Jess Ennis! I've seen her everywhere <laughs> leading up to the leading up to the Olympics. Um, but I had, a, there was a group of athletes that was like, there was a few of us that were pretty young. myself, Daniel Talbot, Danny Talbot, Andy Pozzi, Katarina Johnson Thompson, Ailish McColgan, Holly Holly Bradshaw. We were all like sort of young, and, and yeah. sort of it, we we hung out together and, and really helped each other sort of. B- get through it really and i had a great a great apartment in um in london 2012 it was myself danny Dwayne chambers christian malcolm who's now the performance director yeah uh, with the head coach sorry uh, greg rutherford who won an olympic gold, yeah. and then steve steve lewis so we learned a lot and we had such good times and yeah the memories were, were fantastic but being 18 years old it was like yeah it was like like what am i doing here with the best athletes in the world um, from every sport and I'm sitting there like I was kicking a football in Dagenham like six months ago like what am I doing like I felt well, I was at Thurrock I was on loan at Thurrock so I was just like yeah it was it was a world away man it was it was completely uh, bonkers man it was completely bonkers yeah but I, I can only imagine what an incredible experience and your first Olympics home games and everything I mean I guess it's something you're never ever going to forget no never there, nothing's ever topped that for me like the, the experience I had there with like like walk, just walking out into the stadium yeah. and like as soon as people see you it doesn't matter what event you were doing I was obviously young and, and i yeah. burst onto the sprinting scene, so pe- everyone, everyone's sort of talking about me but anyone in GB kit walked through that there was so the, the noise was just like if you've never had that before or never prepared for it which I had never it can be very overwhelming and, and some people react differently for me I just took it all in and I enjoyed it and I smiled and I waved and I was just like well like what am I doing and if you go and watch the uh, hundred meter heats, um, you can actually see. So I was racing a Sapper Pal in the heats, yeah. which was again mental. I was like, okay, Sapper Powell, <laughs> cool. So um, he, uh, they obviously cheered him, and then, but they cheered me, and I got a louder cheer. Yeah. And he was like laughing, and he said to me <laughs> after the race, he's like, yeah, that doesn't normally happen when I compete. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty happy with that, and then yeah, I just had to go out there and execute my race and it was enough to get me third in the semi-final, not quite enough to make the final, but it. it I learned a lot of, uh, I learned a lot from being there.
0: It is one of the things actually you can see time and time again with the events you do, you do learn a great deal from it. And um, But there's two particular races that I want to talk about. Um, first one is obviously Rio, the 200 in Rio. Oh do yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that was a tough one. That was a tough race. Um, yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah. So, the Olympics in Rio, I was I fully expected myself, and I trained. I was I was with my coach Steve Fudge at the time, and I fully expected we we had a plan of, of how am I going to make sure I get a medal. And we sat down, myself and Steve, at the beginning of the year, and we said, uh, what's it going to take to medal? Yeah, and we we thought ninety nine will medal if I can run ninety nine in the final. Um, and that year was I had a lot of injuries that year, and and I'd come off of the back of a really nasty injury the year before with my hamstring um i tore my hamstring like it's such a bad tear um and i qualified for the final i was in lane two it was tough i had to run my own race i didn't really know how to run um run the race properly because obviously usain bolt was going to go and everyone was going to try and chase usain bolt and i'd already done that and it messed me up i'd I'd raced him in moscow in 2013 in the 200 meters and yeah he just absolutely it's the first time I've ever just seen someone get further and further and further away because I tried to go with him on the bend like yeah, yeah. he was on my inside and I ran I was like yeah got it got it and then obviously I see this Jamaican this big tall Jamaican fly <laughs> past me I was like nah he's not doing that to me I'm going with him so I was like let's go let's go and it just burnt me out and you can't run a 200 that way unless you're usain no. um yeah, yeah. so then yeah I tried to just um run a little bit different race in Rio and it wasn't quite enough like I I, I remember I remember thinking, do you know what, I'm in the mix here. I'd, I'd gone past Guliev on my inside and I'd gone past, I can't remember if it was on my, on my outside, I think it was like LaShawn Merritt who'd run 19-7 that year. I'd gone past him. I remember thinking, come on, you're there, you're there and I just threw myself at the line like a little bit early. Maybe if I hadn't dipped as early I would have been all right and then I just saw the screen and it said fourth place same time as third place which was Christophe, Christophe Lemaitre Lema. who I'd beaten before that, before the final and I beat after the final and it was just one of those, he just got it right on the day and um, we were separated by three thousandths of a was, second yeah, and it was heartbreaking and to this day what's crazy is that was 2016 to this day i still haven't had a chance for redemption that's how special the olympics are and why those medals mean so much because like it's 2021 and i still haven't been able to get get a chance get my second shot to to go a medal and uh yeah he got it right on the day and it was something i just had to live with it was first time i cried like i was i broke down i i haven't cried like that since i was a since I was a kid just broke down I was trying to keep a brave face on for everyone saw my family saw my friends um, and then literally went into the tent and just sobbed sobbed my eyes out no one could console me and just yeah that was it rubbish <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it is, but no one could ever question or forgive you for that either. Because not only, as you said, you prepared. I mean, you'd ran nineteen nine seven in Brussels earlier that year. You knew you could form, and then, um, as you say, to, to finish the exact same time, at three thousandths of a
1: second. I mean, it's nothing, is it? It's like literally the, a blink. the width of like. <laughs> yeah, it's a. It's like a, It's like some. It's like that. Literally, like yeah. it's not, it, they. They've really struggled to separate us, and and uh, the year before, they'd uh, so two of my training partners now, Trayvon Bromel and Andre de Grasse, um, they got given the same time in in the hundred meters, and I was like, oh, maybe they'll do that again, and then they didn't. I was like, okay, cool, no, <laughs> no stress. The Olympics is slightly different to the world, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. It was a tough thing to, to to sort of learn from, and it took me a few months to really uh to bounce back from that and to refocus and uh, and but it gave me good confidence. I was like, listen, I'm I was fourth in the world. I, I ended up being ranked third in the world that year. <laughs> the third breast sprinter in the two hundred meters, like is, that's the third best of anything in the world is pretty good. So I was just like, it gave me good confidence that, you know what I can really roll with the best of the guys and uh, yeah. yeah, really start pushing for these medals. And there's no reason why on the day, everyone's got two arms, two legs. Everyone's got, um, except for Ali. No, I'm only joking. I'm joking. <laughs> he's, if he's watching, he's going to, yeah, everyone's got, everyone's got, um, everyone's got, everyone's got the same heart. Everyone's got the same brain. It's whoever on the day is better. It doesn't matter what you've run going into it. Um, yeah. It's a, uh, it's every every man for himself, and and I fully believe now. Whenever I step on the line, I can win, and you have to have that attitude. Really, I, I feel really bad bringing Doha up now after you have just. Oh yeah, Doha. We're, yeah, we're that's right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Well, Doha was a oh, that was even worse because I was winning. <laughs> I, was winning <laughs> like I was winning to like one. I was winning to one fifty. Yeah, but I just, I just, I, I ran such a uh, that was so amateur, and that was like that was me not being in that position before, and I came off the bed. I, I, I remember thinking, I'm going to come off this bend. And I'm going to go and catch me if you can. I was in such good shape. I was fit. I was healthy. I was like, I was bouncing. I was I was in such good shape. And I was like, right, catch me if you can. And I had Noah Lyles and Andre DeGrasse inside and outside of me. And Noah had run like 19.5 that year. And I was like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Do it on the day when I'm here. I came off the bend. And I came off and I transitioned well. And then I was like trying to relax. I was like, relax, relax. And then I could feel Noah coming. And then that tightened me up. And I was like, no, don't lose it. Don't lose it. And then Noah went past me. And I was like fighting and I was so tired and I just had nothing left. And then my training partner, Andre, went past me with like 15 meters to go. And then out of nowhere, Alex, this guy called Alex Canoes, like outdipped me as well. And within a blink of a second, that was done. And that was harder because I was in such a good position. And I was just like, I threw such a good opportunity away to to really win my first global like senior medal, like the bronze medal at the Worlds. but well, a gold medal would have been unbelievable, but... I, I had a good chance to really meddle there and I, I messed it up.
0: That so. was, I, I'll admit, from, I, I can only begin to imagine what you were going through because from a spectator perspective, it was just, you could see the pain in your face. You could see literally as you're fighting through, but watching the others yeah. go. And then in true camera style, it then pans on you as you sat there and on on the floor. The realisation. Yeah. It's
1: the, the realisation. I'll tell you what it is. When you look up at the screen and it's confirmed, and you see, right? That's the result. I can't change it now, and yeah. I, it's gone. Twenty seconds has just passed, and I have to now wait a certain number of uh, a certain number of time to even get this opportunity again. Like I said, I haven't had a chance to, to even run at an Olympics since 2016 yet. So it's that's the hardest part. And then you have to go and try and compose yourself and give an interview. I don't really even remember what I said in the interview. I just remember just being like, I just trying to be professional, but it was just yeah you just want a, a big hole to sort of open up and swallow you and yeah because you've made a mistake it's no one else's mistake it's myself and i i i ran like an idiot and i know the mistake i made and if i had that chance again i'd do it so differently and i believe the result would be different but that's sport and that's why people people love it not just for the great performances but for the for for the stuff like that as well and there's no guarantees in in track and field and there's there's, there's no guarantees in sport like you can work so hard all year but you have to execute on the day and, and like i said those medals mean so much to the athletes because they get it right when it matters
0: it's that interview you could tell that i watched this as part of the research and sort of watched it back and oh. you could literally you could see you could tell how gutted you were how annoyed you were and fair play to the guy interviewing you; he was trying to say well listen let's draw some positives But the first couple of minutes you were having none of it you were yeah. fed up with yourself and but it's worked isn't it in terms of what you've taken from it the strength the lessons learned but back in it was it winter 2019 obviously the um, you moved down to the lower tier um oh yeah they
1: yeah. oh they yeah they basically said i never really talked about this because I, I i just didn't feel like it was necessary but yeah they basically said i was no longer medal potential i was no longer i was individual no longer medal individual, prospect. Head, individual yeah. medal pr- prospect they said i was i was barely making the relay team whether I was healthy or not, like these are some of the the comments. Like it was, it was pretty brutal stuff to, to read and, and from your own governing body, it was hard to take. And there was a couple of people that believed in me, Stephen Maguire, who was a fantastic, he was the head, he was the head of sprints at the time. He believed in me and my coach and my family. And that's all I needed. But yeah, I I was out there to prove people wrong because I'd, I'd know how close I'd been and how consistent I'd been as well. I'd, I'd, I'd made every senior team since 2012, really. Um, and I was just like, I don't need these people to to believe in me. I believe in myself. And 2019 showed that when I'm healthy, I can push the best in the world. So, yeah.
0: What I think is so strong, I've got so much respect for, is the fact that you took what they said to you. You kind of kept the notes from the transcript and the telephone call. Oh, yeah, like, it was oh, my phone. this Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I put all the worst quotes and there was a lot. I haven't even touched on some of the quotes that they said, but... That was a lot, and I just put that as my phone background. And yeah. uh, but I put, and I, I used to look at it. And it's not the I don't I would never do that now. But back in the day, I was I was a bit younger, I was a bit immature. Like I was I used to look at that, and it used to get me like riled up. So when I was having a tough day, like I was lacking motivation, I could look at that and think, right, come on. And you should never do that to try and prove people wrong. You should always try and just put the best performance you can out there. But at the time, it's 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 hard to actually. <laughs> You want to try and tell people the right answer, but in that moment, I needed to—I needed that to really get me through the tough, the tough times. And when I'm dying on the track with lactic acid, I'm throwing up. I need to think of that and to get me up and try and prove these people wrong because no one likes to—no one likes that. No one likes everyone. Although people always say, "Oh, it's not you. Or, what matters is the family around you and your friends, and what people—people people who you care about. Their opinions matter." It's never nice to hear people talk badly of you um that's never a nice feeling although you can learn to block it out and it doesn't mean anything no one likes to no one likes to to read that or see that especially from people who have have had your back before or or have said to have have your back before so yeah those comments were pretty tough to read but one day maybe i'll 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 put it out there but like i said it's not uh, that's a different part of my life i drew a line under it and yeah it was cool
0: but i mean fair play to you for doing that because you can see o- over the years and it's the thing about being in the public eye you can see kind of how you've reacted to race results to criticism to performance i can see just how much you've grown over that time as well but um i also know there's not been easy i mean you've had your own challenges with kind of anxiety and stress yeah. and, and but you've been honest with that and i think the thing i love is that you're one of those people that's used this the platform of social media of television to actually go well this is what i'm dealing with it's not all
1: rosy sometimes it's it's a bit difficult Track and field is so tough, and 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 for me, I, I've I've sacrificed a lot. I've I've been away from my family, away from my my girlfriend and my friends um, to try and make myself as successful as possible in the sport, doing what I think I need to. And it's not always rosy. Then not every day I wake up and I'm I'm happy about going to the track. I'm, I'm I lack motivation, and there's some nights where there's there's obviously stuff going on with the Olympics getting cancelled last year, shoe contracts. Um, like people, where, are you going to get renewed? Are you not? How am I going to provide a living for myself? Like you got a lot of that sort of worry on your head. And, and it just, it got to me, it got to me. And I, I was losing a lot of sleep. I was very anxious. I was, I had a lot, I I lacked my confidence. I stopped believing in myself. And and it, I tried to keep it up in myself and, and try and overcome it myself and be like, no, I'm a man, I need to get. And it's only when I started talking to my family about it and, and really opened up and I really like had a quite a, quite a, Quite a heated conversation with them, and, and really got all my my frustrations out, and that they they were able to, to actually explain a lot and help me a lot and uh, share the burden. And then I started getting better, and yeah, I'm in a good place, man. Mentally positive, and but yeah, it's all to all sports people will go through that, and it's um it's show people that listen. It's okay to that's the normal. It's okay to have that. Doesn't matter how successful you are, um, or how how unsuccessful you are. It's the same for everyone. So, yeah, it's okay to talk about it.
0: No, definitely. And it's uh, – I couldn't agree more. And I suppose it's been Mental Health Awareness Week as well. It almost felt appropriate yeah. to cover that. And uh, I know there's a lot of people kind of pressing the heart icon of that during that exact one bit because they were relating to oh, it. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's too so, – obviously, we've got to talk Tokyo now, haven't we? Because um, – Yeah, let's go. <laughs> it, it was on, off, on, off. But now let's go through the absolute start. So – how were you feeling when you first learned it wasn't going to go ahead? What kind of shape and form were you in? And then let's bring it on to now. How are you doing and how's training
1: going? Honestly, I was in, like, I've ne- I, I was, I was, that was the best shape I've ever been in that year, training. I'd come off of Doha. I was fired up. I was hungry. I was training like a beast. I had no injuries at all. I was running some crazy times in, in training. We were doing like 45 second run test, testing. I was getting, I was getting like 400 meters. I was like, I was in such good shape. And then, yeah, the, you find out the Olympics is cancelled and then or postponed, and obviously you're not allowed to go out and train, and you've got to stay inside, and and yeah, you just your motivation just goes, and you need a. I took a little bit of time to um to process that and to to understand it. Carried on training, came home, tried to salvage some sort of a season, but we hadn't really done any training at all. Like we we hadn't really stepped on the track, which was which was tough. Um, but then yeah, then to learn that it was back on this year, and the hunger was real, and the fire was there um yeah it's 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 exciting it's very exciting um i had i've had quite a few injuries this year which has been tough i missed quite a proportionate bit of the winter hence why i haven't yeah. raced yet i will be opening my season next week in gateshead in the 200 meters so we'll see how that goes <laughs> that could go in my first 200 uh, it can even go really well or really bad but it's all it's all preparation for the trials whatever happens if i run fast or not um what matters is the Olympic trials, and then what happened making that team for Tokyo. So I'm confident that I'm um, I can I can get myself into good shape and uh, compete there, and and hopefully push for medals. Which uh, yeah is has to be the aim every time I step on the track. So I'm 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 excited. Uh, and I see, you definitely prepared
0: for the sunny climbs of Gateshead with your time in Jacksonville, Florida. Then <laughs> Prepped and ready.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, I've, I've got. I'm coming home on Saturday, so uh, I've, I've been speaking to my my uh, family and my my girlfriend and stuff. And they said the weather's. To be fair, the, the weather looked all right today. Like I, I spoke to my girlfriend earlier and, and my parents, and it looked all right. But yeah, apparently it, it was 32 degrees yesterday in Jacksonville. It was almost too hot, and you're just like, oh my god, I've got to go back, and it's going to be like seven degrees, and no more shorts and 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 t-shirts. It's no more flip-flops. But uh, no, I, I, I I'm I haven't been home since since January, so I'm really looking forward to. Coming yeah, home. But, I'm only home for a week, but to see to see everyone and, and yeah, get ready for Gateshead and run in front of hopefully we get British fans there. I don't know yeah. if they're saying we are allowed, but I hope we do. Put on a show for them and uh, yeah, try and run fast.
0: So in terms of when you're prepping to go onto the line for either of the events, because it's, you always see people, with different rituals, don't they? And others have spoken on here. Some are really noisy in the prep, yeah. prep area. What's kind of your, your thing then? What are do you doing getting ready?
1: Yeah. you got some funny ones. Like, I've got a training partner called divine. And it, like, every time he, he's about, we get into the blocks, he goes, ah, like, 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 he screams first time, first time we lined up to do a block start session together. Scared the crap, like scared. I was like, so what the hell was that i had to say to my coach stop 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 we need to reset i wasn't ready for that like um but yeah you get some you get some funny ones but for me i just like to enjoy it like if if there's a crowd of people taking to taking that crowd of people smile give them a wave say thank you for coming really like and then yeah once the camera goes past me or i just yeah focus on and just think about your execution as any athlete out there you just think about the cues. So in my head, I've got different cues. So when I'm in the blocks, I make sure I get into the right positions. Mm. And then my first movement is my punching my thighs to chest. So my left thigh is the first one that moves. So rather than pick my arms up, I think, right, left thigh to chest, bang. Then, then right foot, feet, quick feet into the floor, putting down good force, getting my feet on and off the track quick. And you just go through your cues. And uh, yeah, next thing you know, the hundred meters is over. So you just have to, and that's why you train every day. So you, these cues yeah. become sort of second nature. It's like when you're driving, I always describe it as like when you're driving and you're like, you could be like talking on the phone to someone, or you could just be talking to someone sitting next to you. You're not even thinking about how you're driving. You're just doing it. Your body just does it because it's an autopilot. It's the same sort of thing when you're, when you're sprinting, you do it such, you do it so much, you practice it so much that it becomes second nature that your body's just doing the movements and you're, you're not really thinking you're just trying to put as much force and effort into the, into the movements as possible. So yeah, that's why I'd be trained, but it's um yeah, that's sort of what I'm thinking really. And in terms of your training as well, obviously learning what you
0: have from Doha, because you had a fantastic bend. Have you been kind of working on that <laughs> as well? That transition. Well, yeah, through? I've always I've
1: always run a good bend, but I just ran the bend gun to tape, and that in a two hundred, <laughs> you cannot run two hundred meters unless you're Usain Bolt. You cannot run two hundred meters gun to tape without dying the last fifty. You have to have a you have to have a break at some point. So usually you get out hard, run the bend get out hard to like 50 60 70 yeah. then you have like a 10 15 meter where you're just maintaining it you're just like you're not accelerating but you're not decelerating you're just maintaining it and yeah. then just as you're coming o- onto the bend you hit it again really hard and it sort of slingshots you straight down down the straight and uh yeah you're um and then you just have to bounce and maintain your speed and, and keep your form and, and try and relax and and for me i just tried to blast the whole thing and then yeah it got to 40 meters and i had nothing in my energy systems (laughs) it was all it was all drained my tanks were empty and i was just trying to bounce and maintain my form and terrible absolutely terrible race like i ran 2003 and i did that in the in the semi-final chilling so it was like yeah it's it was it was tough but yeah i've been definitely practicing how to run the race i'm not going to be anyone's rabbit anymore no one's going to i'm going to come off the bend in a good place but not obviously giving some people something to chase which can obviously help you as well so um no, I'm, I'm, I've worked on that a lot with my coach and and, and myself. And, uh, yeah, I'll get it right for for when I need to. And then with Tokyo, I'm going to say when, not if you make it out there. It's going to be your third Olympics. I like that.
0: Manifest it. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. You're 28 in October. So you're one of the more experienced guys out there now. So is it I kind know. of your expectation to look after some of the younger junior athletes, bring them through? Old man.
1: Old man <laughs> Jamili on the team now. I can't I was saying that to uh, I speak to uh, Pozzy. Andy Pozzi, who's a good friend of mine, um, uh, quite regularly and uh, just like just crazy thinking like 2012 we were the young guns on the team and you think you've got so long you're like yeah I i'm 28 i can't don't even, that's so long away i can't even think about it. it's 10 years yeah. time and now yeah now i'm 27 gonna be 28 in october it's like yeah you're one of the, the older guys and, and there's a lot of these guys on the team born in like 2000 i'm like you're born in like the year two, uh, 2000 2001 2002 it's like for me that is just crazy and it's just like yeah you you just have to set an example. Some one thing I've always learned is uh, from the older from the older athletes watching. I was very lucky to to sort of be in different generations of a of the um of the sport and the British team. So I was in the sort of Jess Ennis Mo Farah, yeah. die Green that sort of like period with the oldest old sort of guard, my guard, and now the younger athletes. Now, so you have to just set an example. And, and like uh, one thing I always learned watching like Christina Horagoo how she conducts herself around the training camp on yeah. the track. She's so professional. It's business time. Like when she eats, she's not, she's not messing about. She's not staying up late. She's not doing things that you shouldn't be doing. And, and as an older athlete, you can be there for advice. And it's just about setting an example, showing the younger guys how they should act. This is not a junior champs. It's an Olympic games. People's livelihoods are based on this and, and everyone's there to be serious and compete. People have spent their whole lives make, working towards it. So, um, that's what I try and do, and, and the rest of the my friends or the, or the athletes that are similar age to me try and do as well is set that good example, be a role model. No, I love that.
0: It's, uh, <laughs> uh, I've got one point though: I was talking to Joe Pavey last night, who's going for a sixth Olympics. And if you said saying yeah, at age mental. twenty-seven, you're one of the older ones. Uh, we might not mention that to Joe's,
1: <laughs> Joe's different. Joe's different gravy though. Joe, I remember Joe. I remember Joe properly meeting Joe like twenty twelve, but uh, but then properly getting to sit down with her in twenty fourteen at the European Championships and, and just hearing her story and everything, she's yeah. just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And the fact that she's, she's she, six Olympics, man. Yeah. I'm trying to do this one. Maybe the next one <laughs> if my body lets me and then bye. <laughs> see, see you later. I'll be, I'll be enjoying getting fat, watching <laughs> watching <laughs> 2028 20, uh, at home <laughs> uh, <laughs> with a beer in my hand and, and having a pizza or something like that. But no, I'm only joking. It's, uh, but she's phenomenal. So inspirational, like, and she's, she should be an inspiration to everyone like it doesn't matter how old you are and she's had kids and she's living yeah. a proper life, but you can still do it and still achieve it if you you dedicate enough time to it and you're uh, motivated and, and disciplined, so yeah, why not? But
0: as I said to you at the start, it's one of the things when I've kind of reached out to people and that time and time again, I've had different stories about you in terms of how you've inspired what you've done. So we'll put <laughs> Ali's leglessness to one side. Yeah. But we had, um, one, of the, um, one of the lads prepping for Tokyo, Jordan Thomas Karate, he was sent actually on the back of um, a recent one of yours that inspired him to success. And I no talked with Jamie Bolch ah. recently as well. Uh, Jordan Jamie's- was actually watching
1: oh that's so oh, that's that's really nice things that he, said he wanted hearing, to tell you it well i know i, pre, I pre, means a lot man like, that means like we're all athletes we all go through the same struggles we all go through the same training we know how hard it is um to get Fair to enough. the top yeah i see the comment there oh how how you doing man thanks so much like it means that mean that does it means it's it's that's why we do it to help yeah. each other like and, and any professional sports person knows how how much hard work goes into to being successful uh, and we all have that mutual respect for each other it doesn't matter what sport you're in um, so yeah that's fantastic to hear and, and, and for me that's what I'm, That's why I do it to, if I can inspire someone to, to take up the sport or to, to push on and, and motivate them to really get the best out of themselves I've done my job and and I can go to bed sleeping happy every night knowing knowing there's, there's, that I've, I've helped someone's journey like that so for me that's yeah that really humbles me and, and, and makes me quite happy to, to hear so thank you so much man but the thing is what I love
0: is that you're so real with this. So um, I'll meet your friend, Sarah Stevenson. You yeah, helping she's... her with the BOA piece again. And it's just, it, I've heard nothing but good things time and time again. And presumably
1: that's the reason you put yourself on
0: the Athletes Commission for the BOA as yeah. well, to kind of made that difference.
1: For sure. I, I Yeah, I put myself out there and I wanted to be part of the Athletes Commission. I want to make a change and help influence, especially the younger, younger generation. Athletics, track and field, I hate to say it, is... is it's a dying sport that that legacy of 2012 it's 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 so hard to, to keep and we we want to try and inspire as many young athletes to take part in it and that comes from the top and if i if it takes me being part of the commission trying to get into the governance of sport to to really inspire that generation and, and make changes then and that's what i want to do so yeah i i'm i'm part of a few different commissions and and i just want to uh yeah try and get as many people into the sport as possible because it's so fantastic and it's changed my life it's changed my family's life um and it will do it can do that for, for for any young athletes listening or watching because uh you just have to commit to it and you can get to that level it's not impossible it's not impossible you just have to believe
0: uh, do you think as a nation we are doing enough to try and invest it in and get that next generation to become inspired into it
1: not really not honestly not really <laughs> i think there's a lot of things i'd do differently there's a lot of uh, I get it. I get it. That sport in oh sorry, sport in this country in the UK, you get your funding from the medals. That's what yeah. people want. Like UK sport, give their money from for for how many medals you get, and that's what they they really fund. But you need to put more into the grassroots of of, yeah, of, yeah. of 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 all sports really, but track and field especially. There's so many young. There's so many clubs out there with volunteers, people that don't get paid. They just turn up. They they come. They coach on the cold days they that these are the, that, they're the people that we should be talking about and we should be helping yeah. because they don't get any credit they turn up the, day after day helping these young athletes and and they've got no funding they're using broken cones and, and and hurdles that aren't even like that you've got sellotape holding them together and blocks that don't even have any pins in them so you have to get people standing on the blocks like it's that's where the sport needs to really invest a lot more money i believe and and something I really uh, would like to push for one day, if I'm retired from track and field, and and that's something I can I can get into the governance side of it, then yeah, I'll, that's what I believe. I, it needs to. But I understand, like we're we're judged and we we get our funding from from medals. But what's the point in in ten years time if you've got no new generation of of athletes pushing through? So you, you have to look after the 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 best, but you also have to look up after the up and coming and the the future. So yeah, we definitely don't do enough no and i can't i can't argue with any of that to be honest
0: <laughs> so what i like as well is kind of away from the professional athletics if you like obviously i've had a chat with
1: jamie Bolsh about what you're doing yeah. with your family and trying yeah. to really just encourage people so you want to talk a little bit about that yeah so i, 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 I work with jamie now we um we set up a i've set up my own fitness page Andrew have fitness at the moment i haven't posted too much on it because i've been really head down training but i will put a lot more content on there pretty soon um but yeah, we um we work to sort of, get, especially in, in lockdown, a lot of people really struggling with motivation, putting on weight, not able to exercise. We do a lot of workouts. We do food plans for people. Um, part of the family, we got we got some great athletes on there, training with Olympians, um, training with people like myself, Jamie, Sam Palmer, Martin Afire Di Green, Leon Taylor. Like we got yeah. some brilliant names on there. Um, and it's really we just want as many people to get involved as possible. And and um, try and keep fit and healthy and that all comes from Jamie so yeah Jamie's such a good guy and he's uh, someone I talk to pretty much I have talked to him most days to be honest with you he's a yeah he's, a, he's someone who I look up to he's very entrepreneurial and he's as an athlete he's done it all he's got Olympic medals and he, he's uh, won the world champs like he's he's a beast he's an absolute beast so he's someone that I, I inspire to, to sort of try and emulate but he's
0: also raced a horse, which you haven't yet. So maybe that could be. I've no, seen you race the. I've raced the jet. I've raced the but... <laughs> red arrows, which is slightly
1: slightly faster than the horse. But I've actually raced the horse over <laughs> ten meters. Actually, I've raced the horse over virtually the the horse raced ten right. meters and I raced ten <laughs> meters. But I beat the horse to ten meters. But after that, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, Jamie's uh, Jamie's done a lot of stuff like that. But for me. <laughs> Yeah, I was pretty happy with getting close to the red arrow, but um, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty loud. That was a cool experience. I just posted that video the other day. That was a yeah. throwback. That was um, yeah, that was fun. That was really good fun actually. Cold though, like, like, you don't see it in the, in the you don't see it in the day, but I remember getting out freezing cold, and obviously you got the jet next to you like roaring. And guys, oh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great that was a great great day of shooting actually. Uh, I've just had like
0: a couple of people pop to a couple of questions for. I think we kind of covered. Oh some yeah, go of on. Them. So we've had um, Stevie T71 has asked, can you run
1: 19.7? Yes, I believe yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> as simple as that. I believe I <laughs> you have to. If I'm trying to win Olympic gold, yeah, it's going to take 19.7, I believe, or quicker. So I have to believe that. I, I know I've done it in training before. I just have to go and execute it in races. So for me, yeah, that's as as you have to believe you believe in your own ability. And and for me, I believe I can do that. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to think so. And the other one I think we covered already but um, what kind of shape are you in right now I'm in good shape I'm actually in good shape right now I feel pretty pretty confident that I can go out and, and, and run I'm not at my best I've think like I said I've, I've had a few injuries I'm still building my fitness my speed is is not exactly where it needs to be so I'm still working on my speed yeah but that will come but like I said when it, when I need to when I need to get it right at the Olympic trials I will and I've, I've I'm healthy now and I'm training hard and for me that's that's sort of what I need to do so I know where I need to to, to run i've got a few races coming up if i don't run 19.7 7 at these races everyone doesn't need to panic like things are good <laughs> if i run 22 seconds then then it's time to panic but no i should be go out there execute have some fun put on a show get competitive again it's been a long time since i've raced yeah like properly like in good shape so yeah i'm excited i'm excited
0: and for people that want to kind of follow your journey and what you're doing on social media with the fitness, everything else, where's the best places to find what you're up to?
1: Yeah, just on my Instagram, really. My Instagram Adam Jamili, or I have a fitness page, Adam Jamili Fitness. Twitter, I don't really tweet too much because I tweet now and again, but I like using Twitter for like news and interacting with more interacting with fans. But yeah, Instagram really is one of the best places to uh, to meet me. I always, if you if you message me or slide in my DMs, I always do my best. I'm not always most active on instagram i don't always check my messages but when i do i try and go for as many as i can and, and reply and, and and feedback to as many people as possible so yeah uh, that's the best places really so yeah thanks <laughs> hopefully yeah go follow me <laughs> go, go, go follow me well what i say this has been an absolute pleasure i have really enjoyed it uh, no,
0: it's been too. fantastic thank how you. honest you've been how much you shared and i'll be keeping a firm eye
1: on gateshead and the olympic trials as well thank thank you so much man i really appreciate it thank you for, for for doing your research and making this really easy so uh yeah i i yeah it was fantastic one of the best interviews i've done so thank you i really appreciate no, thank it you. Well, cheers take man i hope to see you soon thanks bud
0: Bye. and that concludes another interview for the day thank you to each and every one of you for listening and as ever if you have any feedback send it through to me at my instagram handle at fighting underscore the underscore dad enjoy the rest of your day